As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, Ozzy Osbourne. This man, Prince of Darkness. And we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsbourneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come on! What do you say? Do you think it's the... The wildest show on the internet. <laughs> Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 174, Gargoyles. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to kind of dig into this one. It has been a minute since I think we've covered something a little bit more recent. So I think this is a perfect kind of light episode in these somewhat trying times. Gotta tell you, I did not expect so much architecture in this episode, though I really should have. And it was an absolute pleasure. I'm glad. I'm glad. I think everyone's going to be a little bit surprised about just, you know, how uh, sweet gargoyles are, despite the, uh, the usual portrayals in media. Do you know who's also really sweet? It's our newest patrons. Andy, stressed but well-dressed, amen, Chrissy, Brody, Jen, and Adelore. Yeah, you guys are wonderful. I've noticed that we're getting a lot of new patrons. We really appreciate you and a lot of people who are upping their pledges. And you all are wonderful humans. We appreciate your support now more than ever. Absolutely. It makes us a lot less stressed to know that you have our backs and we know it is not an easy thing. And we so, so appreciate anybody who is able to support us on Patreon. These new patrons join the ranks of our distinguished supporting producer level patrons, Philip, Landon, Nikki, Tyree, Megan, Deborah, Molly, Skyla, Samantha, S. Shaw, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh, and our legend level patrons, Milena, Kylo the Husky, Francis, Clara, Lacey, Brittany, Josie, Kylie, Morgan, Beam Me Up Scotty, Audra, Necrofans, Mark, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. I always like the little giggle you have when you read Necrofancy. It really, really makes me smile. Julia, as did the drink that you made for this episode, can you please tell us a little bit about it? I know we described it after the refill, but just give folks a little preview. Yeah, so it is a green gargoyle. I think you're going to be very pleased if, like me, you haven't been really having like a lot of like fresh tasting drinks or food. So I think it is the perfect like refresher drink to kind of, you know, uh, liven up your spirits a little bit. Get it? Spirits. Oh, I get it. And it was green. Yeah, it was green. 
I was also really delighted this week uh, to read something that I'd love to share with you and all the conspirators out there. Uh, one of my favorite writers in the world is Rebecca Solnit, who wrote Men Explain Things to Me that a lot of folks may have heard about several years ago, but has written like, I think, almost a dozen books, um, some of which are memoirs, some of which are like nonfiction and kind of personal narrative sort of strewn together. And I love her writing. Any book she publishes is an auto buy for me. So most recently, I was able to check out Recollections of My Non-Existence, uh, a memoir, which is all about kind of her um, formation and kind of coming up as a feminist in San Francisco in the 80s and talking about things like gender inequity, but also about how she sort of came to be more like aware of what other women go through and why it's really important um, for people to just have solidarity uh, in in trying times, especially around violence. So I really enjoyed it, even though it definitely had some serious subject matter. A lot of it is ultimately about gender and family and joy and solidarity, which I really needed. It sounds like a really good read for people. I, I think that they should definitely check it out. Absolutely. And if you're looking for more stuff to kind of fill your time, make you smile, teach you a bit, may I humbly recommend the other shows on Multitude? We have such joys as Horse, which recently went into all the ways in which NBA Twitter is actually really good, um, specifically how uh, a lot of folks on Twitter have advocated for the billionaire owners of NBA franchises to, you know, pay their staff, uh, which is awesome. We have Potterless, where Mike has been listening and watching to some deleted bonus scenes from the movies which I have never heard about, mm. as we've discussed, a person who doesn't own Blu-rays or DVDs. Uh, <laughs> it is very exciting to hear what these scenes are actually all about and, of course, hear his take on it. And then there is Join the Party. We've just released some new art that Alison Wakeman, who designed um, both the Spirits and the Join the Party logos, had a wonderful, broody, neon, kind of very Spirits in a way, refreshed to the art that I am beyond excited about. David Reinstrom, a former guest on Spirits, voiced a wonderful trailer um, that Eric Silver wrote for the show. And I could not be more excited about episode one of the new campaign of Join the Party coming out next week. So it is a wonderful time to join. It really, really is. Definitely check out the rest of the Multitude shows. We have such backlogs because we've been doing this for a very long time. And if you are running out of things to listen to, it is the perfect time to check all of those out. And just two weeks from this week, Next Stop premieres. We have a wonderful bit of bonus audio out featuring Brian David Gilbert of, uh, you know, the internet and Polygon. And if you know him, you know that he is an incredible improviser and very funny and sort of deadpan person. So having him play a uh, Wi-Fi support technician was absolutely wonderful. So check out Next Stop and all the Multitude shows in your podcast player. Just type the word Multitude and enjoy all those shows. And there's Head Heart God with the multi-crew. Ah, so much to enjoy. So much, so much content. We put out so much content. We truly, truly do. And as always, it, it means so much to us, whether you're supporting the show by sharing it with your friends and tagging us in your Insta story or taking their phone and opening Spotify and having them listen. And finally, we just wanted to thank everybody who's been supporting the show recently. We see you joining with your Patreon pledges. We see you tagging us on Twitter and on Instagram as you share lists of your favorite podcasts with your friends. Every little bit helps, whether that is with money or not. And as a special thank you, we are bringing back a much-loved feature from years ago on Patreon, which is the Poetry Corner. Mm -hmm. It's where I sit Julia down captive and make her listen to me read poetry. And then we talk about mythological tie-ins and origins and we're releasing it for all of our patrons every single friday for the foreseeable future just as our thank you to you yeah you make it sound like you're trapping me in order to read poetry to me but really it's absolutely delightful <laughs> well i'm i'm glad you enjoy it this first one uh, we came back with was a wild ride mm -hmm. there was a dramatic reveal julia almost fell off her chair i laughed until my throat was hoarse it's it's a ride mm-hmm 
So go to patreon.com slash spirits podcast to join at any level and all patrons can enjoy the Poetry Corner every Friday for the next little while. So without further ado, thank you again and enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 174, Gargoyles. Amanda, when I say the word gargoyle, what is the first image that pops into your head? Hey, Stoneface, the greaser from Join the Party. Of course, I don't know why I am surprised by that answer, but here we are. <laughs> and also probably the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Same for me. Yeah, Hunchback of Notre Dame is definitely a pretty prominent one. I also think of the Disney TV show Gargoyles from the 90s. I have a very vague memory of this. It was definitely a thing. Uh, fun fact, I didn't realize Keith David Williams was the main character until years later. And that guy has a great voice. Amanda, you would know Keith David Williams as um, he joins the season of Community like in either the fifth or sixth season. Oh, hell yes. Love this guy. Yeah, he's also done a bunch of like voice acting work and stuff like that. He's a fantastic actor. Highly recommend checking out his oeuvre. I feel like I've seen him on the stage before. Maybe. He kind of looks like he should be playing Hermes in Hadestone. He does. He does resemble that actor, but like 20 years younger. Mm -hmm, For sure. But Amanda, you know, as much as we're thinking about these representations of gargoyles in media, uh, the moving animated stone creature, the gargoyle, has a much more utilitarian origin. Really? Yeah. So we're going to start the episode talking about something that we love here on Spirits, but we don't talk about nearly enough, architecture. Oh my God. I love architecture and I love mythology and I am so here for this. I don't care that other people are making jokes today. The world is a joke and I need to talk about architecture. Yeah, no, it's fair. Um, And I just want to talk about things that we don't always talk about here on the show. Um, I talk about science in my notes later. You'll see. It's going to be great. Anyway. Julia, I I like fully read you um, a speech from Shakespeare two weeks ago. So I am I am here for it. You did. You did do that. It was delightful, but you did do that. So (laughs) thank you. So interestingly, gargoyles are part of a larger architectural feature called a grotesque, which specifically is a depiction of a figure that is used for decorative purposes. Pretty straightforward. Okay. They're also known as a boss, which I love. Basically, a boss is any (laughs) kind of knob or protrusion made of stone or wood. Very good. Uh, Or they're known as a chimera, which we know from being students of mythology and folklore and also like science is typically a creature that combines several different features of several different animals. Your favorite, Amanda, your absolute favorite. My absolute, absolute fave. Do you have one that you're just like, all right, you know what? I can deal with this. You know, I'm pretty okay with sea creatures with each other. Human plus any kind of animal is just not good for me. But like the griffin is extremely cute. All right. Yeah, yeah. Animal plus animal, Amanda does not mind so long as they are like slightly in the same category, I feel like. Like you wouldn't be into like scorpion bear, but like bear hawk. No, that is kind of cute. That is kind of cute. Hmm. I like scorpion bear. I just what, what I what I don't love is proportions being off. So like snake with you know centaur legs and it's just like a super long like dashing horse i'm not super into you know what i mean as long as the proportions are good amanda is down for it we're 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 slowly learning through the course of spirits we're making a taxonomy speaking of the chimera in greek mythology specifically the chimera was a creature that could breathe fire and had a lion's head a goat's body and a serpent's tail how we feel about that fine Okay. Good about that. See, the tail is a tail. It's not the body. It's not the head. Mm-hmm. 
Later depictions in media, including stuff like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, show it as a three-headed beast with the heads of those three creatures, as it was made up in classical mythology. So you have the lion head, the goat head, and the snake head. Fun. Sometimes it's a dragon, too. We do have a um a, a huggable, squeeze them up, whatever they're called, plush of Cerberus on the couch in the Multitudio, and every guest who walks in remarks on it. And I'm like, did you know it was named Spot? It's very good. I it's, yep. That's my favorite fact of all mythology. It remains my favorite fact of all mythology. I actually remember in high school biology, one of our very favorite teachers from high school, Mrs. L, teaching us all about um, chimerism in AP Bio. Yeah. And in science, a chimera is an organism that is composed of cells that are more than one distinct genotype. So in complex organisms, that basically means it has two sets of DNA. Uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but we love tangents on the show. It's fine. Um, I don't get to talk about science that much. And I'm actually very interested in science despite being bad at it. <laughs> One of the most famous examples of a human chimera was a woman who made the news in 2002. Her name was Karen Keegan and she needed a kidney transplant. So they went through the whole genetic testing of her family members to see if anyone would be a match. And it was discovered that genetically Keegan could not have been the mother of her sons, which, you know, her relatives remember her being pregnant and giving birth to them. So it kind of makes things a little bit strange. But it turned out that Keegan was a chimera. The DNA of her blood cells was distinctly different from the DNA in her other tissues of her body. That was also definitely utilized on a bunch of crime shows that I watched. It has to be either Bones, CSI, or NCIS, but I distinctly remember it being a plot point in one of them. I'm pretty sure it was CSI. Me too. They also did this on House, too. I'm 90% sure. Yes, that one I, I know distinctly was House, but I think also CSI had one. I wonder if there are any other CSI gays out there, because I definitely like spent an entire summer just watching CSI over and over again on uh, on Blockbuster rentals. I think it's because the like brunette um, like woman analyst was had like very butch vibes. And also, I think John Grissom is definitely like strong lesbian energy. I had a big crush on John Grissom. I remember being like a 12 year old watching the show and I was like, I probably yeah. shouldn't feel this way about this older man. I know we we didn't have the internet vocabulary of like dad at the time, mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely either one or the other. It's like a big crush or like dad. Anyway, that tangent aside, we're going to get back to chimeras and grotesques. If you're wondering why architects and sculptors originally included grotesques in their design, the answer is actually religion. Ooh. So according to Lester Burbank Bredeham in his book Gargoyles, Chimeras, and Grotesques in French Gothic Sculpture, sculptors were tasked by the Pope as they were creating the Gothic cathedrals of the 12th and 13th centuries to use architecture in order to educate the masses. So specifically, they were told to be, quote, a preacher in stone to present the stories of the Bible and the creatures mentioned in the text of the Bible, since many of the parishioners were illiterate and could not read the Bible themselves. Same idea as stained glass windows, which show as you like proceed either around the church or in the triptych exactly the, the stories from the Bible. Maddie, you just took the words literally out of my mouth. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> no, it was perfect. I like it. But yeah, the stained glass windows and the grotesques were basically what epitomized Gothic architecture at the time. That's so funny. I guess in, in the vernacular, we think of Gothic as like dramatic or scary, or maybe that's a little bit um, imprecise, more like overwrought. 
And so to think about this like theological mission as one of the defining features of Gothic architecture makes so much sense. You need to like give a lot of information and a lot of religious teaching is dramatic, you know, by definition, because you need to like tell people about these grand ideas and about the consequences of their actions. Um, but that's that's never in a million years one of the like first five words I would say when I think about Gothic architecture. Yeah, no, but here we are, you know, uh, Gothic architecture is absolutely beautiful and like extremely detailed and, you know, by modern standards, a little over the top, but in a way that they were using to educate their parishioners. A couple of the sources that I talked about were talking about how it was supposed to like instill the fear of God in you. But I feel like personally, I look at those and I see beauty, not fear. Yeah, me too. And it's it's like, a, like I said, a lot of information that you have to get across. Mm-hmm. So now this might strike us as sort of evocative of like brutalism, you know, or other architectural trends that followed. It kind of stands out against nature instead of trying to fade in with it, like some of the, you know, modernism and other designs that happened in the 70s. So I, I just think that's kind of like a modern way to view the thing at the time. I bet it was just like, wow, this is a place I want to learn more about. And that's kind of the idea that they were trying to get across when making buildings that style. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. Moving on, we've been talking a lot about the grotesques and the chimera, but how do they differ from the gargoyle? Amanda, do you have a guess? I feel like gargoyles are definitely... Uh, protective of some kind or like what like watching over or watching out so I wonder if there is kind of like an on the side of righteousness versus like on the side of like temptation situation okay interesting you're kind of on the money there in the protective way but not the way you would think so gargoyles are grotesques as we talked about but they specifically serve a purpose where grotesques are just for decoration a gargoyle is basically an extremely fancy gutter spout yay they're designed to gather water from the roof of the building and keep it away from the walls and therefore keep them from eroding so they definitely are protective but it's more like against mother nature yes it's less about like ah well the gargoyle shall protect us from evil and more it's like well if we didn't have this gargoyle our church would collapse. What a delightful uh, inversion of my expectations. Uh, Listen, that's what I'm here for. If we are doing a live show right now, someone would have gone, huh. (laughs) So having multiple gargoyles on a building allowed architects to direct the flow of rainwater, which like I said before, could severely damage the building if allowed to gather and sit. Uh, If you look at many examples of gargoyles on Gothic buildings, you can see that their backs are either hollow or have troughs cut into them in order to gather more of the water. In fact, this is where the gargoyle gets its name from. It comes from the French word meaning throat, which is a reference to the gurgling sound the water makes as it passes through the gargoyle and out of its mouth. Yes, 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 infrastructure. Oh, I, I knew you're gonna really like this one, Amanda. I could tell from Very just good. all of my research. So I will say that the gargoyle did exist before the Gothic movement, just in simpler forms. They could be found in ancient Egyptian architecture, usually as a lion's head. Greek temples featured similarly designed gargoyles to ancient Egypt's, typically either made out of marble or terracotta. There were actually 102 gargoyles slash lion-headed water spouts in the Temple of Zeus. However, because they were carved of marble, many of them were destroyed when they fell from the deteriorating walls and only 39 currently remain. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I just love this idea of the gargoyle as a category and not a specific 
mythological creature. Like I always just assumed it was, you know, like the ones in the Hunchback of Notre Dame and it was like a creature and they were, I don't know, like uh, uh, demons that were redeemed and like trapped in stone and stuff like that. Well, Amanda, I would love to tell you how we got from the gothic architecture version of the gargoyle to that kind of scary living gargoyle, but I'll tell you about it after we get a refill. Let's do it. Amanda, I have been dying to wear some new outfits lately. I feel like working from home, all I've been wearing is like long sleeve shirts and tights. And luckily, I can (laughs) imagine and dream about my future outfits with the help of Stitch Fix. So Stitch Fix is a personal styling company that brings you the world of fashion and style. It is a completely different and fun way to find clothes that you'll love. And that's all about you every time. So all you need to get started is to go to stitchfix.com slash spirits. You set up a profile and then they'll deliver great looks personalized just for you in colors that you love, in styles you love, and in your budget. So you pay a $20 styling fee for each fix, which is then credited towards anything you keep. You schedule it at any time. There's no subscription required. And shipping returns and exchanges are always easy and free. So Stitch Fix does all the hard work for you. They make great style effortless for everybody, including men, women, non-binary people, and kids. When I got my last Stitch Fix box, I got this pair of camo leggings that I have been absolutely rocking here at home. Every single chance I can wear them, you know I'm in them. They're so comfortable and they're super stylish. So to get started today, you go to stitchfix.com spirits and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. So that's stitchfix.com spirits for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. stitchfix.com spirits. We are also sponsored this week by Skillshare. Now, this is an online learning community offering our listeners actually two free months of Skillshare Premium. This will help you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity no matter where you are with classes from Skillshare. There are a ton of fascinating classes on everything from business type stuff to creativity like illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing. The one that I enjoyed this week, Julia, I gasped when I saw the title of this class. It's called Making Your First Zine from Idea to Illustration by Kate Bingaman Burt. And I mean, it's sort of my childhood dream to be a magazine publisher. And the closest I can get is making a zine. It's so exciting to have this project to think about and something just small and interesting to do and make progress on that's just for me and just for my creativity. So you can take this class and many more on Skillshare. Go to Skillshare.com spirits2 where you can get two free months of premium membership that unlocks all of their classes and gives you unlimited access to everything they have to offer. Two months free at Skillshare.com spirits2. And finally, we are sponsored this week by Third Love. This is the only company that makes a quiz that I think is really fun and interesting to take online. So when you take their Fit Finder, they help you find your perfect fitting bra in 60 seconds. Over 15 million people have taken it to date, and it actually does take less than a minute. And it's actually very fun because it has you consider things you might not have considered for, like the shape of your breasts, for example, or the ways that the bras you're already wearing fit or don't fit well. And then when Third Love helps identify and recognize the shape, but also the styles and the sizes that fit your body well, that's when their perfect fit promise comes in. You have 60 days to wash whatever bra you buy from them, wear it, whatever you want, really put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it and Third Love will donate it to somebody in need. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. And 
really, guys, the comfort and quality of their bras is what sets them apart. They are extremely comfortable. They are ones that I don't want to just throw off immediately at the end of the day. And my favorite part, I think, is the fact that there are no tags at all. So nothing to get caught when you are hooking them on, nothing to itch or scratch. They really are designed with a person's like experience in the way your bra fits and also needs to like work for you during the day in mind. Yeah, I'm literally wearing a Third Love bra right now and I gotta say, super comfy. So Third Love knows that there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com spirits to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com spirits for 15% off today. And now let's get back to the show. All right, Amanda, we are back from the refill. And today we've made a cocktail that I found in a cocktail book called Savory Cocktails by Greg Henry. Yum. Very Julia. You know, I love a savory cocktail. Uh, This one specifically was aptly named the Green Gargoyle. It's a mix of tequila, cucumber, jalapeno, and cilantro, which I think gives it a really nice balance of like bitter, sweet, and spicy. So let's take a very nice sip of this cocktail. And then I will tell you the legend of the Gargouille. And it is also the story of Saint Romain. Okay, I'm ready. I'm prepared. Okay. I'm only sweating a little bit. Listen, the the spiciness will do it to you. So Saint Romain, also known as Saint Romanus of Rouen, is a hero from the 7th century who was also the Bishop of Rouen. Before he became a bishop, he supposedly was known for destroying various quote-unquote pagan temples. Not great. We'll talk about that another time. But anyone who's listened to the show before knows we're not a fan of destroying quote unquote pagan things. Well, it's not pagan. It's fine. Yep. In one such story, he came across a temple in the countryside of France and saw that there were demons dancing in it. So he cursed the demons and provoked the chief demon. And in their fury, the temple collapsed around them. But his most famous story is when he met a dragon face to face. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So... Let's get ready. Let's get into storytelling mode. The town in which St. Romain was the bishop had been plagued for many years by a dragon that they called, wait for it, Le Gargouy. The dragon was a ruthless one. It did not discriminate in its victims, and it was said that it killed more than it could possibly eat, seemingly for the pleasure of it. Hmm. He would damage the crops of the town simply by flapping his giant wings, and when he leaned against trees, they toppled over like they were twigs. He would lay across the river, damming it so that the city would flood. On one instance, he rubbed himself against the church. I'm kind of picturing it similarly to a bear when it's got an itch on its back, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. And in doing so, he caused the spire and tower to come crumbling down. When the no, workmen attempted, dragon is just big. Dragon has to live. Dragon has to eat. Dra- Does dragon have to do that though? Dragon has to eat, but also is killing more than he eats. No, I know. I'm just. I'm that. That part is what gives me pause. But I'm just picturing, like, I don't know, as a person who's larger than average, I'm just picturing, like, I don't know. You just want to like walk around and eat, and sometimes you knock things over. Oh no. Yeah, but I also think of it like you know when deer become a problem in a community and they're like well you know there's too many deer so you know we have to like humanely kill a couple these things happen that's basically what i picture this as fair fair so when workmen attempted to rebuild said spire and tower of the church they were harassed by the dragon so much that to this day the tower of the church has no carvings or decorations on it because the workmen simply were not able to spend the time doing so 
That sounds like a very good fact to like end a walking tour on. And everybody's like, ooh, and then ooh, raises their cameras because, to take a picture. Because the dragon. Interesting. Because That's the dragon. why this building looks like shit. <laughs> so, of course, this is when St. Romain steps in. He, alongside a condemned criminal who was promised his freedom if he survived the encounter, set off to face against Le Gargui, which everyone else was like... I think you got it, St. Romain. I think you're good. And he's like, so no one is going to volunteer here. And the condemned criminal was like, you know what? I think I got this. I think I can help out. So the stories kind of make it seem as though St. Romain dealt with the dragon pretty easily, mostly because he had God on his side. So he first made the sign of the cross over the monster, which placated it. Then he tied his stole around its neck, a stole being that strip of fabric priests wear over their shoulders that hangs down to like about their knees. You know what I'm talking about? Ah, yeah. Yes. And then he just led it like a dog on a walk back to the village. Uh, adorable. Yes, kind of cute uh, until they got back to the village and he's like, well, I'm going to burn this dragon now. And then they burned the dragon to death. Oh, yeah. It wasn't the great. dragon side here. Yeah. So they, they got rid of the whole body of the dragon it was a bit of a pain because it's a huge dragon. But the head and neck did not burn because this was a fire breathing dragon. And by that logic, oh. the head and the neck are already fireproof. Good point. Mm, there it is. So rather than waste a perfectly good dragon's head, they mounted it on the walls of that newly built church where the workers were finally able to finish it now that they weren't being harassed by a dragon. The hope was... I see what's happening here. The hope was that the terrifying creature would help ward off evil spirits and act as a protector for the church. Interestingly enough as well, kind of a sidebar or like an epilogue of sorts, in order to honor the story of St. Romain, the archbishops of Rouen were allowed to set a prisoner free on the saint's feast day every year or what if you just set almost all of them free and abolished incarceration i agree with that i think this is a nice <laughs> stepping stone towards that yes that's the exploding brain meme end uh of this progression yes so i think it's it's kind of cute that this story ends with a uh, two little you know fun facts about the future of the story which is one we set a prisoner free on saint romaine's feast day and two that's why there's there's horrifying creatures carved into the the walls of churches and where it gets its name from. Like Argui. That is extremely gothic to have uh, like uh, taxidermied only turned into stone heads of creatures that have plagued you and you have killed as your uh, water spouts. Yeah, I, I love it. So it's this history of gargoyles as protectors of buildings and churches where we get the idea of these statues coming to life, though it wasn't uniquely French either. So the Scots also saw these types of carvings as protectors who would ward off evil spirits and evil men away. It wasn't until later, though, specifically in the 1930s, that gargoyles were seen as an evil supernatural construct, mostly because of a short pulp fiction story by Clark Ashton Smith called Maker of Gargoyles that came out in 1932 and here's the plot according to smith get ready <laughs> buckle in i'm ready two gargoyles wrought by the same carver on the new built cathedral of Vognier, one of which was expressive of malignant hate and the other of unclean lust oh Mm -hmm. These gargoyles come to life at night and terrorize the town, appearing in different places as if they were looking for someone. At last, they find the house of the carver, who is recently married to a girl from Voynet. 
The next day, the carver is found dead with a torn throat and his wife raving mad with her clothing in shreds. In the teeth of the malignant gargoyle, in its usual position in the cathedral cornice, is human blood. And there are fragments of the woman's dress in the claws of the other. Okay, that's a very good urban legend. (laughs) It's very good, right? Short story, very good. 1932, so like a little dark, like post-war kind of thing right before we go into into the <laughs> World War II. Not great. I think it's a really interesting story. Me too. I I think that if we just don't slut-shame gargoyles, we would avoid situations like this. I think the implication is that the gargoyle, you know, sexually abused the woman before. No, 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 I know. I mean, I mean... He was, uh, they characterized the gargoyle as having unclean lust. So maybe in this case, this gargoyle made some bad choices. But it yes. seems to me that a more permissive attitude of gargoyles, you you can do your thing as long as you don't harm anybody. Maybe that would have helped. I do like the wording, though. Unclean lust versus, like, clean lust, I guess, you know? Like, unclean lust is like... Yes, I, I definitely see what you mean. Um, and the the sort of, like, 30s morality might not be as restrictive as I am thinking here. And maybe it's just that, like, this gargoyle was a dick. Yeah, I think the gargoyle was a dick. I think we can go ahead and assume evil gargoyle, kind of an asshole. So in the same year, Amanda, in the story of the Horn of Vapula, gargoyles acted as demonic vessels where a demon is bound into a horned gargoyle. And the idea of gargoyles acting as vessels for some sort of soul continued in pop culture. So Marvel Comics has a character named Gargoyle who is able to shift between human and gargoyle form. And in the movie Ghostbusters, there are these horned gargoyles that possess Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis. You've seen Ghostbusters, Amanda, right? Oh, I sure have. Okay, good. Just making sure. You remember that. I remember Sigourney's outfits and not a lot about the plot. Honestly, fair. Fair and valid. She's great. So hot. Anyway, there are several adaptations of gargoyles that depict them similarly, though obviously without the religious and cultural implications to golems, uh, in that they are often animated through magical or supernatural means, uh, having been inanimate and then stoned before. I definitely see it. Rather than being like born gargoyle. So regardless of whether or not they are protecting churches, wreaking havoc on towns, or keeping rainwater off of buildings, gargoyles have captured the imagination of pop culture and the world. And uh, more of a reason to take care of gargoyles, because a lot of them are often slender or very intricately carved, so they require a lot of upkeep and restoration. In fact, back in 2012, the Duomo in Milan, Italy, created an Adopt a Gargoyle program so that you could help donate to keep the upkeep and protection of these architectural wonders. So I think it's very sweet. And I think that we, uh, we should respect the stories that come out of architecture, but also respect the architecture itself and keep them preserved. I love that so much. And I especially love their really utilitarian origins. I am such a fan. I've talked about this before, but like using the nice thing. And I think my example before was like, I have super nice olive oil and I am more likely to let it expire because I want to save it for a special occasion than I am to just use it. But um, I, I am a fan of just like elevating the everyday. And I find a lot of um, meaning and beauty in using things that make me really happy in the day to day, whether that's like organizing my medicine cabinet in a really pretty way or using like old jewelry boxes um, to keep my socks, you know, compartmentalized in my sock drawer, um, or even just using like the nice silverware that I got at a garage sale 
to serve mashed potatoes or meatballs or whatever it is instead of opting for the cheap one that is easier to clean. Um, because there's just there's something about having that ceremony, that beauty, that little moment of that little thrill, you know, um, of just like, oh, man, this thing is so beautiful that I really want to build more into my days and my routines. Yeah. And I, I kind of love the idea of it being this sort of architectural wonder that has lasted centuries. Like it, you can literally look at um, the like neo-Gothic movement in New York City and see like so much of New York City's landscape is built around these grotesques and these gargoyles. Like when yeah. I think of New York City, I think of those kind of like towering over gargoyle things that like Batman perches perches on and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. And it's a very, yeah, it's very Gotham um, in the in the implications there. Yeah. And like so much to the point where, um, again, this is this is very much like a me specific thing, but the XFL, which is the football league that was started by uh, WWE's own Vince McMahon, uh, the oh, New yes. York team is called the Guardians and they are specifically a gargoyle uh, mascot. It's very cool. That is incredibly exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad someone can share in my excitement about that because I don't really give a shit about the XFL, but I do love that our team is a gargoyle team. That is very cool. That is very cool. And what a what a sort of uniting factor across a lot of time and distance and culture. Like the fact that these were in the Temple of Zeus and also in Notre Dame and also in lots of buildings in the US. It's just it's very, very cool. Yeah. And like, it's also accessible in a lot of ways. Like I was looking while I was doing my research, I was looking up a bunch of different examples of gargoyles and stuff like that. And of course, there are the like Notre Dame ones, those beautifully intricate carved versions. And there's also the metal ones of New York City that are just like just as ridiculously gaudy and beautiful. But like, you know, I also saw a couple of different ones where it was like, it's just a little like metal dragon head that's coming off of a tavern in Britain somewhere. Like gargoyles are accessible in that way. Like they can mean like the height of, you know, Catholic luxury, <laughs> but it also can be something as like simple as like, we just wanted to decorate a little and give a little flavor to the architecture that we have here and give a little bit of uh, mythological resonance to it. I would love to see examples of gargoyles from folks' towns. Um, and if you are taking your daily walk and a uh, little dose of sunshine and you spot a gargoyle, I would absolutely love if you would tag us in that picture because just seeing the different interpretations, different mediums, different contexts of these things all around the world. Like this is the thing that I love the most about uh, studying mythology and folklore is similar ideas or instincts or completely different motivations that end up coming from the same like physical source or practice. And it's just, it's the coolest. I love that. I also think that next time you, you know, go outside your house and you look at your gutters, it's just a not so dolled up gargoyle right there. It sure is. Gutters are amazing. Read about gutters. They're so cool and smart. Gutters are very cool. Cleaning the gutters was my favorite household task growing up. A, because I got to use a ladder, but B, because uh, it's just like, this is this is so useful. They are sewer pipes that we can see. So you might be, listener, um, a, a gutter that Amanda loves and appreciates. But also remember, you have the same use and utility as a extremely ornate gargoyle. 
I don't know if this metaphor is working, but I hope that resonates with someone. I hope so too. And in in doing your part, you can also bring an extremely gothic uh, mythological flair to your daily activities. Hell yeah. (laughs) Be the gothic architecture you wish to see in the world. Fuck yes. And remember, listeners. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. At Skillshare.com slash Spirits 2, you can get two free months of Skillshare Premium. At stitchfix.com slash spirits, you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your box. And at thirdlove.com slash spirits, you can get 15% off your first order. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.